0: You will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest for you today, Wendy Ahrens. Hello, Wendy. Hi, so happy to be here. I am so excited to get a spot in your calendar because I know this is a busy time for you. I will quickly share with listeners that you are an award-winning humorist, former member of the Us Weekly Fashion Police. I just find that so hilarious and awesome. <laughs> and author of both middle grade and middle-age books. I didn't make that joke up, you did. Good one. <laughs> so I'm I'm just excited to have you here, Wendy, and I want to embarrass you a little bit, if you don't mind, because human connection is where it's at. So I want to tell people that you and I have had a number of professional intersections through mission-driven campaigns, but there is a particular moment of kindness that I always think about with you. You might recall that we were at a conference together in Austin several years back, and we didn't even really know each other super well at the time. I mean, we had been at conferences together, but not spent a ton of time together. I believe it was March and it was beautiful in Austin, but a snowstorm had rolled into the Northeast and canceled flights all over the place, including mine. And my hotel was totally booked, did not have availability for me to stay. And without missing a beat, you invited me to stay in your home. You took me out for tacos and quesos. We cuddled on the couch. Well, maybe we didn't cuddle, but we watched TV on the couch. We hung out and it was just so wonderful and gracious. And these moments, as I said, of. Connection and compassion are just so important to me. So thank you for that. A million years later,
1: you're welcome. I mean, that was a a treat. Honestly, it was it was one of those things that was not even an imposition. I was just like, oh my gosh, I get to have a friend stay over here.
0: Oh, Um, it was it was so so it was was just so nice. I was really really touched, and I I just yeah yeah it was really awesome. Well, so you have had a very busy pandemic. (laughs) I don't know how else to characterize it. You've been. On a writing tear from and I feel like I only catch, I don't know, maybe 25% of what any one human is doing. So in addition to your various humor articles at different outlets, you wrote a middle grade book, Ginger Mancino, Kid Comedian, Mm -hmm. which launched in June, I believe. And now you have a new book coming out at the time that this airs. We're gonna just catch it right before launch, I think. It releases November 15th, so pre-order. It's called I'm wearing tunics now on growing older, better, and a hell of a lot louder. So first, congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's it's incredible. Two books in a year. Um, but I would love for you to share the quick backstory on what compelled you to write I'm wearing tunics now and also the I'm wearing theme of the book. I'd love to just give people a little peek into the behind the curtains there.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I typically write humor about what's going on in my stage of life. Uh, Like you, I had a a blog back when my kids were small. So I would write about that phase of life. And once I got into my late 40s and 50s, I started to write more humor pieces like um, uh, Throw Yourself a Middle Age Reveal Party, which was a (laughs) parody of gender reveal parties. And they got a very good response because I think that there's not much out there for the middle-aged woman. And people don't even like that term.
0: Mm-hmm. They don't like
1: middle age. But I'm like, there's something here. And I think when you get to this age, you have stories and you have perspective. And I realized how much I'd grown from the time I was 30 to 50. So I wanted to write something funny about it. And while I was in the middle of this, I, I don't like to like bleed on a page. I'm not like a big, I'm going to share my inner life with readers. I'm a little bit more private than that, which is why I write humor.
2: Mm. But
1: in the process of writing it, of course, you know, my real stories come out somewhat in real inspiration. And I decided to structure it in the I'm wearing way. So I have I'm wearing maternity pants now. I'm wearing twin set sweaters now. <laughs> I'm wearing theory now. And that just sort of gave me labels for whatever mm. I was going through at that time of life, but there, there's still a narrative story going throughout all of the essays. Um, So I was very pleased with that. It was, that was one of those like last minute brainstorm genius ideas that popped into my head and it just kind of made it all work together.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, I love the arc of it. And I think that it really does kind of pull readers through a journey and a a narrative structure that I think is really compelling. So I loved it oh, <laughs> and, I, Thank and you. I hope people will um, will go ahead and pre-order it. And I will say, you know, some of the pieces from it that are in the book, it's really cool when you see um, a book that includes some previous essays, you know, from other places, but then you see it kind of in a bigger context. And I think that's what another thing that I really appreciated about how you structured it. And I don't know how intentional all that was, but it it really holds together beautifully.
1: Good, thank you. Yeah, it's it's different to have satiric pieces mixed in with personal humor essays. So it was a little bit risky to try it, but I, I'm very pleased with it too. I think it all fits together well.
0: Yeah, I think it's wonderful. Well, we have a lot more we are gonna to talk to Wendy about. We'll do that after a quick break. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get twenty-five percent off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com/slash edit. Start ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com/slash edit for twenty-five percent off. Hello friends, we are back with the wonderful and super funny Wendy Ahrens. And Wendy For all the time that I have known you, humor is the tool through which you process and issue your perspective on everything from fashion to cocktails, I will say. Your essay, The Perfect Cocktails for Your Perimenopause Party, is a (laughs) (laughs) must-read. And even to politics, you are, I believe, one of the people, or was it a singular account behind the satiric account Paul Ryan Gosling? LOL. I loved it so much. So. I'm so curious. Can you share how this lane evolved for you? Like, were you always a funny person? Were you the class clown or was this a learned thing later in life?
1: Good question. And no, I was not at all the class clown. I was, you know, the good, quiet girl. But Mm -hmm. I would whisper funny things to my friends and then they would say them out loud and get a huge laugh. And I was always like, (sighs) oh. It was so frustrating to me, but I wasn't brave enough yet mm. to speak out, which is kind of the theme of the book, um, because I really think being funny is an act of bravery. You don't know how it's going to be received and it's different than just saying something, you know, non-controversial. So it took me a while. I always liked funny stuff. though. That's what I gravitated toward. And I was the weird little six-year-old walking into the North Dakota library, checking out Irma Bombek books. Because um, I really identified with suburban housewife humor at a young age, I guess. But I, I really, <laughs> I was never drawn towards poetry or fantasy or anything like that. I just really liked a well-crafted, funny, satiric line. Uh, so that's that's what I would read. And there wasn't a lot when I was growing up in the '70s and '80s. You had more male-dominated humor. So I would watch. Uh, Carol Burnett and Laverne and Shirley, and mm. you know it was it was few and far between to find funny female voices. Now you you know they're they're everywhere and it's amazing. But I you know I embraced more like Steve Martin and David Sedaris and that sort of thing. And I started reading the McSweeney's satiric website when yes. my kids were small, and that was my goal. I really wanted to be on McSweeney's. And I wrote just a short list, um, potential nicknames for the star player on my son's soccer team, something. I mean, it was just a little quickie thing. But it got in and it really validated that, oh, I can do this. I really like this. And then that kind of evolved into using humor to express myself in ways I couldn't in real life. And there's a story in the book about how I wrote an always maxi pad uh, piece (laughs) that went viral. (laughs) Yeah. And it's very funny, but... My favorite humor is humor that has a point behind it. So this was about the condescending way that they were saying half a happy period to women. And, you know, I did it in a a funny way. And I always say that I could have written an op-ed piece about sexism in the feminine hygiene world and blah, blah, blah. and, And maybe it would have been published and maybe 10 people would read it. But if I write it in a funny way that says things like, you know, are you effing kidding me with this? Then that's going to be shared as many times as it was shared. It was just performed last weekend at Royal Albert Hall.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah,
1: it it has more legs because people uh, love humor and they love to learn while they're laughing. Mm. Maybe they don't know they're learning while they're laughing, but to me, it's uh, that old adage, humor is a rubber sword. It lets you make a point without drawing blood. So that was kind of heady when I'm like, oh, I can express myself this way and and people will pay attention and so that evolved into the paul ryan gosling twitter account that i did with friends where we were these five anonymous moms writing these really satiric and pointed tweets about the the presidential election that year and if we were saying hey we're five moms and we're going to write this it wouldn't have got the attention it did um as we were writing as a parody, you know, like an anonymous parody account. So, yeah, I I think uh, I think humor is just the best way to deliver pointed messages.
0: It's so great. And I love that you're helping me develop some nuance and reframing around humor. I mean, obviously, I enjoy Mm -hmm. it. I love your work. And Mm -hmm. now I'm looking at it with a an even deeper lens, which is just awesome. So thank you for that. That was Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, that's really cool. And I loved what you said about, um, I'll have to go back on the playback and make a cute little quote card, but something about humor or being funny as an act of bravery, I think that is Mm -hmm. so powerful. And it's related to my next question, which is that in your introduction, you write, middle age gave me my voice and my confidence. You also say, saying that I don't care what other people think of me and really truly believing it is damn liberating. And this development of voice and confidence is a journey, obviously. And I'm sure there were many things that contributed just, you know, as in the same way as finding your voice and humor and feeling like, oh, yeah, I can do this. But I'm wondering if you have like a pivotal moment or experience that helped you find your way, even if perhaps especially if it was really scary and challenging.
1: Another good question. I knew I'd be facing like really good, thoughtful questions from you. So I'm like, I need to have a lot of coffee this morning. Uh, It's been interesting. So um, I think middle age makes you a lot more confident and you don't care what other people think as much. On the one hand, you become more invisible to the male gaze, which I write about. Uh, and that's very freeing. Like, I, I don't care if I look sexy in these pants at the grocery store, not like I ever really did, but kind of because we we're all been conditioned to think that way. So that happened kind of around the same time that all of the politics were really getting contentious mm-hmm. in our country. So women were finding their voices because they were angry at what was going on, and that was parallel with me just reaching this age and also not caring and wanting to speak out. I would say that probably the pivotal moment was when I went to Wendy Davis's filibuster at the Texas State Capitol in 2013, and that's in the chapter I'm wearing Fury now. But it was kind of that, you know, I have done everything right in my life. I was a good girl, I was a good mom, I was a good wife, and blah, blah, blah. And still, I'm having these rights taken away. And it was such a watershed moment for me and so many other women that were there that night to see Wendy Davis using her voice to stand up to the lawmakers taking away reproductive rights. So, how could we not do the same? Uh, so, that is mean, still very pivotal to me. And it really, lit a fire under me that, oh, I don't have, you know, 20 more years to just sit and be quiet. That's a luxury. I need to get up and stand up and use everything that I've learned over my life and use all of my connections and my intelligence and try to make a difference with it.
0: I think that is so great. And thank you for sharing that with me. And Wendy Davis is amazing. I, as we Mm -hmm. both know, I had the chance Mm -hmm. to actually meet and have coffee with her in Boston at one point. And I just, I Uh, it it was hard to kind of contain my inner freak out. And also one just observation I have as a follow-up is that I feel like so many of us, you know, we've been blogger friends for such a long time. As you mentioned, we, that's how we met each other Mm -hmm. and our lives have evolved and changed so much, especially in the ways that we've all gotten into the game as far as advocacy and politics and just caring about issues and really just saying, okay, it's time to get, get in the game here. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's, I think that's another thing I really appreciated about your book was reading those chapters that gave me a deeper lens into how that journey played out for you. And so I just think the, I want to mention that because I think there are, there's everything from light to deep, you know, in your book. And I think it's, it's such a great, um, that's just a great example of of one of those kind of deeper moments and learnings about yourself. Um, so again, thank you for writing it and, oh, and putting it all together. That. Yeah. Well, so you share about your challenges with motherhood in this book. Actually, mm-hmm. your opener about um the the tickets was very funny, <laughs> and I had a good, a good laugh at that one. Um, let's talk about new motherhood. And mm. I would love to hear it could be funny. It could be what it could be serious. It could be whatever it is, because this is your interview. I would love for you to share a piece of advice for new or newish moms, especially because you now have the perspective of having raised kids into adulthood. So maybe like one short game tip and one long game tip.
1: Say see. My short game tip would be buy a lot of poster board when you don't think poster board because you will always need poster board and they'll tell you the night before yes that they have to do a project so i just found one in my closet uh, a leftover one this weekend and i used it as a get out the vote sign um to go to the polls but Love yeah it. buy a lot of poster board because you're going to need it and then long game it's this too shall pass it, it, when mm. you're in it and your kid is on day 5 of an ear infection or it's a snowstorm and you're all trapped inside the house or well there's a pandemic or something like that it's it seems like it's endless that whole adage of the days are long but the years are short mm-hmm. i mean it's true and everything passes and it just seems like a blip that some of the the things my kids went through which seemed tragic and awful and you know they weren't at all but you get so wrapped up in it and I would say take a deep breath know that this is a temporary thing it'll pass and then you will actually kind of become nostalgic for that like oh remember when you had an ear infection and you cuddled next to me for five days you know Uh so it's just appreciate that it doesn't make it easier but just appreciate it and know that you're going to come out on the other other end pretty soon
0: yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, yeah, and plus one on the poster board. I just feel like we need it all the time. But yeah, as, as listeners know, I'm in this interesting space where I have one off at college now this year, and then one still very much young and, and in mm-hmm. middle school. So I can kind of see the, do the look back and the be in it at the same time, which is um, yes, sometimes very confusing <laughs> mm-hmm. and also really wonderful. So, mm-hmm. all right, Wendy. Well, I have you on the hook for a couple more questions, but we're going to take those after a quick break.
3: I'm willing to bet you'll be feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
0: Okay, friends, we are back with Wendy Ahrens. And Wendy, so edit your life listeners, blissfully span the decades, age bracket wise, I actually had to look at this recently. And If I did my math right, you're now 55-ish at the time of this recording. (laughs) And and 54 for about
1: two more weeks.
0: Uh, Okay, so my math was okay-ish. Anyway, if you had to characterize each of your decades in a brief, broad stroke, what would you say is the best thing about the 20s, 30s, 40s, and the 50s partially through it?
1: Okay, let's see, 20s. The stakes aren't as high and you Mm -hmm. can just learn and you can take the entry level jobs and you can move and everything is a little bit less permanent. So 20s to me is a good time to make mistakes and just to try things out. Uh, I switched careers a couple of times in my 20s and we moved to a different city and different apartments. So to me, 20s is just experimenting and exploring. Uh, thirties is when you start to kind of come into adulthood. That's when I had babies and were I was more settled. So I think of thirties as kind of my domestic period. And that's just where you're, you know, slowing down, but also you're in a different, more family phase of life. And then the forties, I actually think forties were my favorite because that's when you're not chained to the oven all day with kids, and you can kind of use your own voice or explore different parts of you. Uh, that's when I really started writing in earnest. So forties to me, you know, you still look good. You're not like freaked out about wrinkles, blah blah blah. Anyway, I wasn't, um, and that to me is just like the the opening of the cocoon. I guess mm, I'm probably mm-hmm. getting that wrong. Uh, and then fifties, I have to say, fifties hasn't been ideal because I've been, uh, we've had a pandemic and Trump and I had two kids leave for college in my fifties, but I also had two books come out. So it's, you know, it's mixed so far. It's a little bittersweet, I would say so Mm -hmm. far in the fifties. Um, and you start to feel your, um, your age more, I think in, in this decade, which is good and bad. It's good because it kind of lights a fire under you that you're like, oh, I need to really go embrace what I want to embrace right now. I can't just sit around and wait for someday. Um, but also it's it's the beginning and ending of so many things in your life. At least it was for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's really well put. And um your I love these broad stroke observations and your commentary about um physicality, I've definitely found to be the case. It's just the things that seemed easy before not easy and then there is a little bit in your book where I think it's you reference age at age 47 like all of a sudden the middle section of your body being like a pillsbury dough can <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> explode. Yeah. it's like oh my gosh that was
1: me at 47 mm-hmm. and you feel like a failure and you're like and then it's and then I had to keep thinking like no it's biological it's not my fault that I didn't do anything wrong yeah
0: yeah absolutely well I didn't I didn't prepare you for this, but do you have any, um, observations on the opposite valence and in, in terms of those decades and things that felt harder, or you can just characterize in broader strokes, but I'm sort of curious about the flip side now that you've told me the, the upsides.
1: The flip side, I think in your twenties, you don't quite know who you are yet. yeah. And you know, the frontal lobe would sort of firm up at like at 25, yep. which is typical. And And you maybe aren't you not yourself. So you're not as confident in your friendships and relationships. I think there are plenty of people as friends within my twenties. I can't even remember their names. I can't, mm-hmm. you know, all of that because it's a little bit transitory. Everybody's in that same phase where you're just trying to find your way in the world. So yeah, twenties can be a little bit of uncertainty. Uh, thirties, To me, 30s were more lonely because that's when I was a new mom and I'd moved to a new city and I didn't have a job. And I read a lot in the book about just trying to find other women like me that I could be friends with. Mm -hmm. So it was was a time of loneliness, but out of the loneliness, I really propelled myself to find those relationships. And I think that was a great coping mechanism that I've used going forward. Uh, 40s, I would say it's just like, you start to find out that your kids won't always need you. And so you need to have a backup plan or you need to have a path forward. Mm. And I'm seeing this a lot in the parents' Facebook groups for my son's college where there are a lot of parents who are really overly involved for 18 and 19-year-olds. And there could be a multitude of reasons for that, but there could be an underlying reason that they just don't have something else in their life that they're focusing on. They Uh didn't, they didn't prepare for that. And so all of a sudden they're left bereft without this kid that they've been focused on for 18 years. Uh Um, And then fifties again, I'd say it's probably just, you start to notice that you don't look or feel the same way you always have, Uh which again is good and bad. It's just a fact of life. And it's that whole, it's better to be this way than the alternative, but you just, you, you just kind of notice that your body's changing and you, you know, I hurt my um, shoulder reaching for the remote a couple
0: nights ago. So it's, you know, it's you just I know, more- the injuries are, are a bit humiliating.
1: They're <laughs> humiliating and, and, you know, getting called like ma'am all the time. And it, it's just a little bit of, there's some indignities, but yeah, um, it's fine.
0: It's, it, fine. it's fine. I do. Yeah. I will say, I joke about this often. It's, it's a known joke, but I, I do have being Asian on my side. So, you know, yeah, I'll I'll probably look the way I look for a very long time, and then take a precipitous turn very suddenly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, uh, Scandinavian descent—we're we like, yeah, we have no no backup. It's just going to all fall apart. <laughs> oh,
0: that's so funny. Well, I love it, and this is—I—I I, I don't know. As we talk, I kind of keep thinking. I usually try to keep myself reined in during the interviews, but then everything you say, I—I I think of something else. So, I just want to call out one really lovely moment just having known you from the lane of blogging and all that world Mm -hmm. that you just, you mentioned in one of your, um, I wonder if this is which, I'm trying to remember which chapter this wasn't exactly, but basically the point is you um, touch on how one of the great things about going to conferences and these blogging conferences that were sometimes often wonderful and they often were punctuated also with moments of just pure ridiculousness. But Mm -hmm. you mentioned just how that was such a great, phase in your life to all of a sudden be in touch with so many different types of people like diversity took on a new lane, having, you know, being living in Texas and mostly in a homogenous, homogenous neighborhood to then have connections with people of all, all different, you know, backgrounds and how powerful that was. And I just, I loved, I'm, I was grateful you acknowledge that because I think that's a a really great thing about these meetings and coming together.
1: Oh, and that was, if I could go back, that was maybe the pivotal thing for me, too. It was mm-hmm. meeting all of these different people and knowing what the not just the struggles, but the celebrations and the what their families were like and where they lived and what they cared about. And I'm I'm always very curious about other people. That's why I'm probably looking at everybody's Instagram photos too much. But <laughs> I but I, lo- I it was. Eye opening, and I grew up in North Dakota for the most part, which mm. is very everybody looks the same, everybody goes to the same church and the same school. So, to me, it was just eye opening and wonderful and uh, expanded my world so much. And mm. if I hadn't started that stupid humor blog, it never would have happened. So, you know, again, it was just putting myself out there and, and looking for connection and that opened up my world immensely and yeah so thank you blogspot.com
0: oh <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> i'm i'm trying to think if i was on i might have been on movable type and blogger to begin with oh, okay okay <laughs> all right wendy well at the end of each edit your life episode i ask my guests to share what i call your next edit it's a really actionable tip that listeners can consider doing right away after they finish listening So in the context of our conversation today, I would love for you to share what your next edit is for our listeners.
1: Uh, In tunics is how it it can be challenging and daunting to find new friends in middle age. And I have really um, excelled is the wrong word, but I've been successful at this because I really reach out to people that I think are interesting, not always with the goal of becoming friends and going on vacation together in the future, but just, you know, if I read something, that I think is funny or really good, it's usually easy to find that writer's email address. So I'll just mm. send them a note saying I really enjoyed this. I would highly recommend uh, your listeners do something similar. Uh, if you are on Twitter, which you know that's a whole new story this week, yeah. but <laughs> uh, and somebody um, puts out something funny or interesting or blah, blah blah, just reply to it and say, hey, I, I think this is great, and it's just. Being part of the conversation at a cocktail party, I say you don't you don't just run in and think about yourself and talk about yourself, but you want to interact with people. So I've met plenty of people just by reaching out, and emailing them after I've read something that they wrote and say, hey, I really like this or leave a comment or something like that. Um, don't you don't need to go as far as can I have coffee with you to pick your brain? Because nobody really likes that. But, yep. you know, just be just be natural and just be genuine and say, I really like this. And everybody likes to hear it. And even if you don't become friends, you still have formed a connection. You brightened up somebody's day and it just feels good.
0: I love that. It's such a simple, quick touch point. And I think it, it does speak to also, you know, we as writers, oftentimes you write something and you're kind of like, knock, knock, is anyone listening? So, you know, to, to, you know, make somebody else um, feel seen in that way and just showing appreciation. I think that is so great. Um, And even just, you know, I feel like that could happen in one's neighborhood. Even you could strike up a conversation with somebody and Mm -hmm. that could be an opening to, you know, a great neighborhood relationship. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great uh, suggestion for sure. Yeah. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me amidst book launch. I, it's, we haven't talked in a while. So this is a delight to actually talk together and to hear the kind of behind the curtains on your book was just wonderful. I'm truly grateful you've given voice to so many important things in your, in your book while being super duper funny. So thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's wonderful to hear your voice as always, but also just chat with you. This has been great.
0: Yep. Take care. Thank you. Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop edit your life a review on Apple podcasts or tell a pod loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening.